on demand. Hear news from Israel whenever you want. I'm not your toy! Cannes Tel Aviv 2019. Cannes Eurovision Magazine. Good evening and welcome to Cannes Tel Aviv 2019, Cannes Eurovision Magazine. This is Nomi Segal with our special magazine ahead of the Eurovision contest, which is happening this year at the Expo Tel Aviv. In three weeks' time, the first Eurovision 2019 semifinal is set to take place. Ahead of that event, we bring you the latest news, the standout songs, in our opinion, and lots more surprises. In just a moment, we'll talk about Eurovision fashion with a few people who know a thing or two about that. We'll speak with a fan from Ireland who travels each year to the contest. And we'll also have a listen to a new and special rendition of Toy. But first things first, a brief Eurovision update. Gal Gadot. So last week we learned that Gadot will take part in Eurovision. Now we can tell you how. It turns out that our homegrown Hollywood star will arrive at the event in a cab. Gal will participate in a video clip in which she gets into the taxi of Asher from the Israeli satirical show Eretz Nehederet, played by comic Yuval Semo. During the ride, Gal will give viewers a glimpse of the host city, Tel Aviv Jaffa. The clip will be shown during the Eurovision final. The original concept was to film the video in the car of James Corden, the British host of Carpool Karaoke. But that didn't work out, and the production team opted for a blue and white driver. This year's Eurovision contest will pay tribute to one of the country's most memorable and prettiest wins, 1979 with Hallelujah, which you hear in the background. But the person who will be invited up to the stage will be just Gali Atari, and not all the members of the Chalav Udvash, Milk and Honey Band, who together brought victory for Israel. The feud between Atari and the three male members of the band is known, extending back some four decades, and it's still kicking. Yehuda Tamir, Shmulek Bilu, and Reuven Gwirtz are mad that they were not invited to take part in the tribute to Hallelujah, which Atari will perform solo on stage during the grand final. Three minutes exactly. That's how much time each Eurovision country has to try to grab the attention of viewers and voters. Only three minutes for a song. In order to win, a good song is sometimes not enough. Our very own Daniel Ohana set off on a journey into Eurovision fashion and spoke with some of the contest's leading designers over the years. It's been said that in fashion, as in life, the motto is not to try too hard, or at least not to look like you did. As much as this sentence might sound about right, There is no connection between it and the Eurovision contest and the participants in pursuit of the most provocative wardrobe, the most memorable one, the one that will bring them one step closer to the desired douce poids, 12 points. 
And as everyone knows, in Eurovision, sometimes it's better to look at the picture and not what's inside. No end of outfits entered the Eurovision pantheon in its 63 years of existence, from Donna's feathers to the warrior garb of Genghis Khan to the sweater vests of Kaverit. And believe it or not, despite the provocations, sometimes the outfit design was intended to convey a message to the world. This is what designer Doreen Frankfurt, who was responsible, among others, for designing the outfits for Abani B, Hallelujah, Hora, and Chai, had to say. For Abani B, I actually flew to Paris, Frankfurt relates. She says it was really important to her that the background be pink to give a feeling of the kibbutz, the young land of Israel, with flowers in the hair. For Hallelujah, Frankfurt says... Since it was held in Jerusalem, she kept Atari's outfit with pants underneath to suggest Yemenite tradition. With Hora, they appeared in costumes, practically gypsy in style, suggesting foremost folk dancing. And with Chai, Frankfurt admits she was concerned, as was Ofra, Ofra Chaza, who represented Israel that year. The idea was to give a reminder, because the contest that year was in Germany, to remind them that, hey, we're here. Designer Yaron Minkowski had completed his fashion design studies when in 1991 he received the opportunity of his life to design for Orna and Moshe Dots their costumes for the Eurovision contest that would be taking place that year in Italy. Minkowski says he thinks that, first of all, the outfit has to serve the song. It needs to direct the focus to the artist who is performing and continue the musical line, you can call it. He says that in Eurovision, or whenever he is working with artists for a television production or a show, one always counts the one, two, three, silently, because at this point, the artists have not yet begun to sing. At this stage, he says, you are already judging them, even though they have yet to sing a note. The external appearance, he says, has a very important impact. Stylist Itai Bazzalelli, who designed Netta Barzilai's dress last year for Lisbon, does not think that fashion design has to necessarily reflect the country you have come from. This outfit we created, I wouldn't put it anywhere else in the world, Bazzalelli says. Not in any fashion show, not on any magazine cover, or on any other singer or on any other stage. It only suits the Eurovision stage. The country is within Netta, what she says about the country, how she says it. In the message, the song, the Israeliness is within it. To put something Israeli in the outfit itself? What for, he asks. Eurovision being Eurovision, no one misses an opportunity to trash after the event. So every year, the fan-voted Barbara Dex Award for the worst-dressed artist is given. It's named after Belgian singer Barbara Dex who represented Belgium in the Eurovision Song Contest in 1993, wearing a self-made, semi-transparent dress. Israel, for the record, has never won this particular honor. Let's hope it doesn't happen this year. With all due respect to the outstanding Swedish pop and notable French ballads, The holder of the Eurovision Empire title is Ireland, with seven wins, even though the last one was 22 years ago. Our hunch is that Ireland won't win this year as well, but we decided to introduce you to Sarah McTurnan with the song 22. 
22 Oh, when I think of you Lately, that's all I do Don't you know that I I'm always driving by Wanna come home to you Oh, I know I've always been afraid to say How I feel But that's got to change Every time I'm with somebody I'm confusing him with you Anywhere I go reminds me of the things we used to do And I dreamed about the street Where we kissed out of the blue with your house Number 22 So that's Ireland's song, Sarah McTurnan with 22. And from Ireland's song to an Irish fan. More than 10,000 tourists are expected to arrive in Tel Aviv at the beginning of May, many of them loyal Eurovision fans who follow the contest across Europe every year to the host country. One of them is Dermot Furlong, who has been traveling every year for the past 20 years to watch Eurovision up close. He'll arrive in Tel Aviv at the beginning of May. He spoke with Khan. We first asked him what drives him to travel each year to see the Eurovision contest. I'm in my late 40s, so I think people people who grew up, had a childhood in the 70s and 80s, Eurovision was a very big deal back then. And I think it's, it kind of brings us back to our childhood in a, to, in a certain extent. Well, I think when we were younger, it was never, it was kind of this magical night of the year. Um, as kids, we were always allowed to stay, stay up late. Uh, we get sweets and sit in and watch and you'd root for your, for your own country. Um, and I think it was like a kind of a magical night that when we were younger, you never dreamed that, uh, you know, you figured it was only like celebrities would be going to the actual show. And what's his earliest memory of Eurovision? My earliest memory of Eurovision would have been um, Israel winning in 1978 with a Bonnie B. Um, I remember I was about... I was about maybe eight years of age, and I remember watching the contest. That was probably the first year I watched it. It was the first year that I remember watching it anyway. And I remember buying the seven-inch single of the winning song two weeks later and playing it constantly at home. Actually, after that, every year, um, every year after watching the Eurovision, I would collect the seven-inch singles just of the winning entry, the Irish entry, and the UK entry, because they're the only ones that you could buy in Ireland. Um, so, and this was well before the days of, of internet. Asked what happened to Ireland, once a Eurovision empire, this was his take. It's not so much that it's changed in Ireland. I think the competition has changed. The Eurovision has changed. It's a different animal now than it was back in the 70s and 80s. And, um, I mean, there's many more countries in it now. Uh, the, the language rule has changed for a lot of countries. So Ireland, Ireland always had an, an advantage, I think, because we were able to sing in English, English whereas other countries weren't. And also it's a musical taste. Um, Ireland doesn't really, like our traditional music would be more like folk music and ballads. Um, so we don't really have a pop culture. I mean, uh, the only international big band we have have or had was were U2 or Westlife. I mean, we don't really have a huge pop culture. We'd have a more of a traditional music culture, which suited the ballads. So when ballads were kind of the four of Eurovision, we did we did quite well because that was our forte. Finally, is he excited about visiting Israel? You bet. I've never been to Israel before, and I've always wanted to go. And over the last two or three years, when Israel uh, 
organise the pre-show party. I've always been tempted to go for that, um, but it's always been so close to, to the actual Eurovision event. I always figure, okay, it's, I'm going to whatever country in two weeks' time. I really can't afford to go to Israel this weekend. But um, So I was kind of holding off to, Euro, to Israel won Eurovision, so that's this year. So I'm really looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to, uh, to seeing a totally different culture, food, sunshine, I hope. Um, and just seeing the sights that Israel has to offer. We wish him a great visit. We mentioned Hallelujah earlier. The song was translated into dozens of languages after the contest win, from Chinese to Swahili. Now it's Toy's turn to get the deserved honor of a translation into Ladino, the Judeo-Spanish language. For a full year, two people worked on the translation, Dr. Yair Sapir and Brian Kirshner. The singer is Dganit Dado, and this is what happens when Eurovision meets Bustan Sfaradi. This Eurovision magazine. This is Nomi Segal together with sound technician Yosef Merzayev, inviting you to listen to our daily broadcast on Khan Reca, the Khan website, and the Khan English Facebook page. Give us a like while you're there. <laughs>